Lord. It's a great pleasure to be here with you again today, and I just want to tell the Lord how grateful I am for the privilege to stand before the body of Christ and share with them some of the things I've learned about the kingdom. I know God called me out as has trained me to, for a special purpose in these last days, and I'll have to say to you, I'm just as amazed as probably as you are that he would take a man like me that's been an engineer all my life and flown jet airplanes all over the world and have done the things I've done and to see what I've seen him do. I had no idea until 27 years ago that I was going to be called into the ministry in my last days. Never dreamed it would happen. But one thing I would like to say, I heard a lot of people yesterday, after what I've some of the things I said, I heard lots of people that come and talk to me talked about, I have never heard the voice of God. Well, I never heard it either for the first many years of my life, but then I did start hearing it. And I don't know why God started speaking to me at that time, but all I know is he did. But I will say that as I have began to talk about this more, I am realizing, and of course I should have known before, that God never does anything to one person. He always does it to multitudes. I think today, as you begin to talk with people around you, and maybe even people in your own family that have never shared with you, as you begin to talk to them about hearing the voice of God, you may be amazed at the people, even the children or your mate in your own home, that has heard the authoritative voice of the Lord. And I think you'll be amazed as you talk about these things. Because I know the home that I'm staying in, here, uh, here, the lady has shared with me, she's heard God's voice. Yesterday, in the makeup room, two young ladies, one had heard his voice, one had not. So it's amazing the number of people that I'm talking to that are hearing God's voice. Now, like I say, he's spoken to me many times, and in speaking to me, he has opened the scripture to my understanding. When I say the Lord gives me revelations... I guess maybe we misunderstand what I mean when I say he gives me revelations. He never gives me anything beyond what's already written in the Word. But the Word becomes a revealed Word to me when God speaks to me in things I've never understood. And this morning I want to start out when some of the things we're discussing, we're not going to have nowhere close to enough time in one hour to begin to cover all the subjects that Bill talked about. But I'm going to talk about the one that's the most important to me. And I think it's the most important to the body of Christ. And I'm going to go as far as I can in these things. But I used to ask a simple question. Since I was a member of a Southern Baptist church so many years, and I saw a lot of people saved in church. But I I could not understand why when I went out and talked to someone else about Jesus... Why I could walk up to someone and I would be so excited. I would say, let me tell you about the best thing that ever happened to me. And it's the day I met Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was a little 11-year-old boy in a Baptist church in Cross Plains, Texas. I still remember that experience like it happened yesterday. I was excited. I didn't understand what was going on. I remember the night that Wednesday night a preacher was preaching. I couldn't tell you what his name was. I don't know. All I know, he was teaching the Word of God. I knew that something was working on me. I didn't understand it by no means. But I knew I wanted to step out in that aisle and go down to that front when that man gave the invitation. But I didn't know the Lord was trying his best to draw me 
to save me from snatch me out of the pit of hell. I didn't know and didn't understand that. But all I knew is when I got home that night, I said, Mother, I don't understand what happened. But tonight when that preacher said, come down here to the front, I wanted to go down there. But there was something helped me back. I just couldn't understand. What, what is wrong, Mother? What's going on? See, I didn't understand, didn't have no knowledge of the battle that was happening in the spiritual realm. The Lord was tugging on me by the Holy Spirit to save me, to snatch me out of the pit of hell. But the devil was trying to draw me back because I was in his kingdom. Now, I know that lots of people don't like to admit the fact that you're either a child of God or a child of the devil. But there's not any other realm. You're either saved or you're lost. You know, there's no two ways about it. And what is, what is really, I guess I don't understand how a man and a woman can be living in a home together and a woman be saved for 40 years. And then you ask her, what about your husband? Is he saved? And she said, well, I don't know. How can you live with a man 40 years and not have enough of the word of God in you to be able to sit down with him and ask him and talk to him? How can you live with a man or a woman for 30 or 40 years and not know if they're children of the king? To me, that, I that's, like, that's unbelievable to me. And I realize there's not much that's unbelievable with me anymore. But that's unbelievable to me. But I didn't understand what was going on. But I now understand in the spirit world what is going on to a certain degree. And I understand the enemy is trying his best to blind our minds to the gospel. I understand the Lord wants to save us. But when I got a hold of the fact that the souls of the church... The souls of people is in the hands of the church. If we don't pray, I, I used to, I'd tell people, I said, let me tell you about Jesus. And I'd sit there and share with them what Jesus had meant to me and how he had saved me, how he'd taken me out of the pit of hell and how wonderful the word of God is and how alive it is. And I'd tell them, you know, you get to live a wonderful life here on earth and Jesus has done all these wonderful things for you. And then when you die here, you get to go to heaven and you get to walk on streets of gold and he gives you a beautiful mansion up there to live in. Would you like to make Jesus Lord of your life? And then said, no, I'm not interested. I thought, what's wrong with these people? What in the world is wrong? I would go home and get on my face before God and I'd say, Lord, I do not understand this. I've just told them the best thing that ever happened and they're not interested. I said, Lord, what is wrong? I poured out my heart to him diligently. Lord, I've, I don't understand this. I said, Lord, I bet you if I went out there, if I had the money, I bet if I went out there and took them a ticket, and I said, here's you a round trip ticket for here, you and your wife to Hawaii, and here's $5,000 cash to spend while you're gone, I bet they'd jerk my arm off. But I said, why won't they take something far better than that? And I just went to the scripture, and I began to read, and I began to study and I began to, I said, Lord, I got to have understanding or revelation from the scripture. I know that all the answers to life are in this owner's manual. But Lord, I've got to have you show them to me. I've diligently studied the word of God. Hours, every day and every night. Three, four and five hours. I'd come in in the evening. I'd tell my wife, I'd say, honey, I have dinner with you. But I've got some questions before God. And I've got to understand. I do not understand this book. But I said, I know this book is my answer. I know it's in there. I've got to find it. So I would, my wife, she was very gracious. She gave me up for 15 years of her life. I spent far more time with God than I did with my wife. 
I realized I cheated my wife to a degree. I should have spent more time with her, but I did love her. And I did supply things that she needed, and I did love her and take as good a care of her, and I was kind and gentle to her. She was a great woman, and I'm grateful to the king and to her for allowing me to spend the time with God and to still be an obedient wife and to love me and to take good care of me like she did. What a woman she was. I know God's got a special place for her today in heaven. I spent the time with God and he revealed himself to me. I began to hear his voice. If you haven't heard his voice, maybe you've not paid the price. I'm going to tell you it's costly. It cost me, but it was worth it. When I got into the word of God and began to get in there, I said, Lord, I want to see people saved. I don't understand why they're lost. Your answer has got to be in your word. So finally one day, he revealed to me an awesome scripture. No telling how many times I'd read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. He said, if there's any lost on the earth, they're lost because the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded their mind to the gospel. I thought, Lord, there's my answer. If there's any lost, and how many do you know that's lost? A lot. I thought, Lord, there's my answer. If there are any lost on this earth, they're lost because the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded their man to the gospel of Christ. Otherwise, they would hear, they would understand, and they would receive this magnificent grace that's been given to us by what our Lord Jesus Christ did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. I said, okay, Lord, there's the answer. But now what do I do about it? I thought that was a good question. Lord, if their eyes are blinded, then what do I do? I said, Lord, i got to have an answer. So I'm back to the word. Now found the answer of why they're not being saved. Then one day I come up on 2 Timothy 2, verse 26. It says the devil takes those people captive at his will. If you're lost, your father is the devil. And he takes you captive at his will. And he does what he wants to with you. He blinds your man. He lies to you. He causes you to do all the devastating things that you do. He breaks up marriages. He breaks up children in your homes. He's a devastating critter. And I said, Lord, there's got to be an answer. There's got to be an answer. I know you provided all these things. I said, Lord, I've got to have the answers. One day I came upon a magnificent statement in 1 John 3, 8. Jesus said, he who sins is of the devil. But I came to destroy the works of the devil. 
I thought, Lord, if you came to destroy the works of the devil, then why in the world is the devil still running things? That's a, that's a good question, I thought. If you came to destroy the works of the devil, you always do what you did and you done it perfect. So why is the devil still running things? Why is souls, people still lost on this earth? And one day I came over to Hebrews 2.14. And Jesus showed me right there in Hebrews 2.14, by becoming flesh and blood, he became a partaker of flesh and blood, that through this he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. I thought, Lord, I still don't get it. You destroyed the devil. You came to destroy the works of the devil. Then you, you destroyed the power of the devil. I said, Lord, I still don't understand why people are lost. I'm talking to him and telling him about Jesus. Now, this is the most important healing you can get, is to get saved. For healing of the flesh, if I don't get you healed physically, it's no big deal to me. You can die in your sickness and still go to heaven. And that's the important thing. That's why I'm talking to you about getting saved first, because my goal is to get people saved. After I get you saved, I would love to see you walk in divine health to get where I have been able to obtain but if you can't meet that, then that's not really that important to me. But my goal is to make sure that your home is heaven. That's the ultimate goal that our king came to do. But I still didn't understand why I couldn't get people saved. Then one day I come up from Colossians 2.15. And he says, I spoiled or disarmed Satan... Stripped him of all of his power and armament and triumphed, him, triumphed over him completely in it, the cross. I said, Lord, if you disarmed him and you triumphed over him completely in the cross, then why is the beast still blinding the mind of the people? I still don't have my answer. Now, all this didn't take one night, I can tell you for sure. This took many, many, many nights of midnight oil, digging all these things out, meditating on the Word of God, and asking the Spirit to give me understanding from the Scripture. My heart was to see the people where I worked saved. I could not get them saved. They just wasn't interested. And I know that every one of you in here today has got loved ones somewhere that are lost that you want to get saved just like I wanted my loved ones to get saved and they would not hear what I had to say. Some of you, your own spouse, or some of you, your children, are right there today. I'm back to the scriptures, Lord. I've got to have the answer. One day, a scripture I had read, I don't know how many times I had read this scripture, but I had never, never gotten understanding on this scripture. But one day the Lord jumped this thing off the page at me. And it was Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20. Jesus is speaking himself and he said, Behold, I give unto you power. The actual word in the Greek there is not power because the word power is used two places in those two verses in the King James. And there's two different words in the Greek. So it reads like this. Behold, I give unto you authority. Or you can use the word power if you want to, but the correct interpretation is I give unto you authority. Authority to trample on the serpent and his scorpions. 
All power is given to you over them. They shall in no wise hurt you. Be not thankful that the evil spirits have to be subject unto you, but rather be thankful that your name is written in heaven. And then the Lord opened that scripture to me. He said, son, that's why they're lost. I've done everything. I've defeated the enemy. I sent my son. He defeated him. He destroyed him. He done everything. And he handed off the scepter to you. And he told you to go and do what he had been doing. You are to exercise your authority over the enemy and to command him to get his hands off of people. And when you do that, then he will have to stop blinding the minds of the people. This was a great understanding to me from the Word of God. I began to do what Hebrews 4.16 says. Hebrews 4.16 says, Come boldly into the throne of grace in times of need for mercy. Where do you think the throne of grace is today? It's in the third heaven where Jesus went and poured his blood out. So I began to practice catching myself up into the spirit, closing my eyes and walking right into the throne of grace, bold as a lion and praising and worshiping my king for all these great things he had showed me. And then from that position in Christ, in the third heaven, I began to rebuke the enemy and command Satan and his wicked spirits and his demonic spirits on earth to take their hands off of John Doe. I said, Satan, you will no longer blind this man's eyes because Jesus told me I have authority over him because he's in me and I'm in him. And I'm in the third heaven in the throne room and I'm rebuking the enemy and commanding him to stop blinding the mind of my loved one so-and-so in the name of Jesus. And then I said, Father, you said in John 6, 44 that no one can come into the kingdom except they be drawn by you. I said, and you're going to draw them by the Holy Spirit that's on earth as I requested. So I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to send the Holy Spirit that's on earth and begin to convict John Doe of sin. I ask you to begin to work on his heart and draw him into the kingdom of God and draw him out of the kingdom of hell. I said, then, Father, I ask you to send the proper labor into the harvest. If that labor can be me, you send me. But if it's not me, then you send the right one. And whoever that is... You send that right labor into the harvest to witness to John Doe and to bring John into the kingdom and save him. I said, now, Lord, I claim John Doe's spirit, soul, and body for you and for service under your kingdom forever. And I want to thank you for doing it. It's done because it's written in your word. It was amazing what I began to see God do. I walked up to a man one day after I learned his principles. I walked up one day to a place of business and I was meeting people, shaking hands with them and I walked up this one man right after I learned these principles. I walked up and I shook hands with him and I said, good morning, brother, how are you doing? He said, well, I'm doing blankety blank blank pretty good. I said, do you know Jesus? No. Boy, I mean, you would, I wouldn't even begin to dare repeat any of the words that come out of that man's mouth. He said, no, I don't believe in that blankety blank stuff. He said, you can talk to them other guys about that blankety blank stuff, but he said, don't talk to me. I said, what's your name, sir? He told me. I said, thank you, sir, for giving me your name. But I said, you know what's going to happen to you? 
He said, what? I said, you're going to get saved. He said, I want nothing to do with that religious junk. I said, okay. But you're going to see what's going to happen. I left there, and that next day, I got that man's full name, and I'm driving down the road in my truck. And I envisioned myself in the third heaven, in the throne of God. And I come up there worshiping and praising our king. After I worshiped and praised him for 15 or 20 minutes, I said, Now, Lord, I'm so grateful for the revelation you've given to me from your word, the understanding from your word. I said, I know that your word says you come to save every human being on the earth because it's written in your word. You also said, anything I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, I know you hear my petition and I know that I have the answer and the answer is always yes. Everything that's according to your will. And I know that your will is to save every human being on earth because that's what you wrote in your word. So I know I'm on safe ground. I said, Father, now then I rebuke the enemy. I command in the mighty name of Jesus for you, Satan, to stop blinding the mind of John Doe. And then I command those wicked spirits in the heavenlies that you're giving power and authority to, that's sending power and authority to the evil spirits on earth that's blinding the mind of John Doe. I command you, Satan, and those spiritual wickedness and those evil spirits to stop blinding his mind to the gospel. I said, now, Father, I thank you for John 6, 44. I ask you now, Father, on behalf of your word, to send the Holy Ghost to begin to convict John Doe of sin and draw him into the kingdom of God. I said, Lord, thank you for saving his soul. It's done. Two weeks later, I'm in my office, and that man walked into my office, and he said, Thurman, where do you go to church? I said, the First Baptist Church in Justin. He said, what do you think about, and he asked me about a preacher. I wouldn't dare mention his name. It was a a preacher who got involved in some money situations. I said, the man is a man of God. But I said, he let a little greed get in there. And I said, God's big enough to take care of his children. He said, what do you think about another man? It's another man, a preacher that got involved in sexual immorality. Unfortunately, that happens to too many men. They listened to the wrong voice. I said, he's a great man of God, but he made a mistake. I said, I'm thankful for the grace of God that he can forgive us when we make those kind of mistakes. I said, we are human beings, and it's very hard for us to walk in the Spirit, even preachers, because we're still flesh and blood. He said, don't you think those big preachers just want all that money so they can have money for themselves? I said, no, sir. I said, it takes a lot of money to run the kingdom of God, to do great things for the kingdom. I said, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, sir. I said, you're going to listen to the wrong voice, and you're going to be thinking about these men that you think have done these sexual things wrong and this money wrong, and you're not going to believe in Jesus, and in one of these days, you're going to die, and when you do, the devil's going to come get you, and he's going to drag you screaming into the pit of hell, And he's going to tell you, he's going to have told you, don't you dare go down to that church because if you do, all they're going to want is your money. And I said, then that devil will drag you into the pit of hell screaming, saying, you fool. I deceived you. And now you're going to spend eternity in this godless hell with me. And that man jumped up out of that chair. 
His face turned red and he said, Thurman, I've heard that voice. What can I do about it? I said, you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He said, I really don't know much about this yet. I said, okay. I said, when you go home this morning from work, stop by a store and buy you a Bible. And then start reading in the book of Matthew. And I said, as you have questions, you call me and I'll share with you the truths of the Word of God as, as the Lord has shown them to me. Within two weeks, that man called me and said, Thurman, I got this question, this question. I began to share with him, and I said, why don't you come in, brother, and let's sit down and talk. He came in, we sat down and talked, and that morning I led that man to Christ and got him saved. After this man got saved, it was such a transformation. He said, I used to try to sit down and read the Bible. He said, I went to church till I was about 12 or 14 years old. But he said, I never understood it. I said, of course. The Word of God is spiritually discerned. Nobody can understand the Word of God unless they're a Christian. You cannot understand the Word of God as a lost man because Satan is blinding your mind to the truth. So until you become what we call a Christian or born again or saved, you come out of the kingdom of darkness and come into the kingdom of light. Until you come into the kingdom of light, you cannot understand the Word of God because it's spiritually discerned by the Holy Spirit. He reveals it to you. So the man got saved, led him to Christ, got him snatched out of the pit of hell, and this was the beginning of a, of a new walk with me. And then this man had never been to church other than those first few years. So a few months later, I was in the place of business where he was one morning, and I walked in, and he was there working. I thought I'd go by and disciple him a little bit. And I said, how are you doing, brother? And he said, well, I'm praising God. I'm praising God. He said, I'm doing good. He said, uh, I've started going to church. I said, praise the Lord. I said, you still reading the Bible? Oh, yeah. He said, I'm reading that thing. He said, I'm enjoying it. I'm learning things. He said, I just can't imagine, you know, that all those first 50 years of my life, I just, I was a drunk and I was divorced a couple of times. And I had all kinds of, I just, you know, I just thought I was having fun. I didn't realize where I was living. I said, that's true. He started to do something. He said, oh, my arm is killing me this morning. I said, what's wrong with your arm? Oh, he said, I've. Got some kind of problem with my shoulders. I forget all these technical names that doctors give all this stuff because I'm not a doctor. But he says, uh, I had this shoulder operated on and it took three months for it to get well. And he said, the pain was so severe. He said, I'm not going to have this one fixed. He said, every couple of months I can go in and put a couple of shots of stuff in there. And he said, it gets better for a while. And so he said, as long as I can go, he said, I'm not going to have surgery on this other arm. I said, brother, you're a Christian now. Oh, he said, what's that got to do with my arm? I said, everything. I said, Jesus also healed you on the cross 2,000 years ago. I said, he gave us a book full of promises that by all these great and precious promises over Second Peter, he said, we can become partakers of the divine nature of God. I said, the divine nature of God doesn't include sickness and disease. He said, I didn't know that. I said, I know that's what's wrong with us. I said, now tonight, sir, you got to have faith to be healed. So I said, I want you to go home tonight and read one verse in God's Word. Just one. Matthew 18, 19. I want you to read it at least a dozen times. And then tomorrow, I want you to come in and tell me what our king said he would do for you. The next day he came in, he said, Thurman, I read that verse over and over and over. And he said, that verse says, if two of us on earth agree about anything we ask him for, it shall be done for us. I said, that's what it says. I said, pretty hard to mess that up, isn't it? He said, yes, it is. 
I said, see, you're a new creature in Christ. You were saved just a few months ago, and all of your sins were put under the blood at that time. I said, Jesus, he delivered you out of the kingdom of hell, just like he said in Colossians chapter 1. He delivered you out of the kingdom of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of light. And now then, this is now the mystery that is hidden before the foundation of the world in Colossians 1.27, that Christ in you, the hope of glory. I said, so Jesus is now living in you. I said, the Savior is in you and the healer is in you. So I said, all we got to do is turn him loose with the word and believe the word and he'll heal your arm. He said, this is awesome. I said, Jesus made it pretty simple. But I said, it took me many, many years to understand how simple the Bible is. He says, so what do we do? I said, we pray. This is the way we communicate with the Father. By the Spirit, we will technically catch ourselves up to the third heaven in the Spirit. We'll walk into the throne of grace. I'll ask the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus, according to this verse right here, to restore your arm. I said, now... There's something you must know. We have an adversary out there, and his name is the devil. And I said, he is the second best attorney that there is. I said, number one, we got the judge sitting on the throne in heaven. That's God the Father. I said, then sitting at his right hand is our attorney, Jesus. And he knows the entire word of God. He wrote it. He inspired it. I said, so he knows it exactly And it's a law book. And we have to go by the law exactly to the nth degree. We can't break it because if we do, the second best lawyer is the devil. And if we do anything wrong that's not according to the word, he will step between you and me and God. And he will accuse us of doing something wrong. And I said, as long as we mess up on the law book, we cannot get our answer from God. I said, we have to do it exactly according to the book. He said, you mean it's that important? I said, if you want to get healed or if you want to get saved, it's that important. I said, so that's what was wrong with me for years. I used to do a shotgun blast trying something and nothing never worked. I didn't realize what my adversary was doing. He was accusing me and God cannot go above his word. He has limited himself to his word on the earth. And if I don't do it exactly like he's written in that book... I said, I can't get it. I said, Matthew 18, 19, did the Lord say that he'd do anything you and me asked for, two of us on earth? He said, he did. I said, so let's pray. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, on behalf of your word in Matthew 18, 19, we come to you as two sons. We're clean and pure. All of our sins are confessed this morning. We're walking in obedience. There's nothing that we know of, nothing that we know of that we've done wrong. We're coming into your presence as holy instruments in the name of Jesus, our Savior, washed in his blood. I said, Father, on behalf of these promises you made, I ask you to restore my brother's arm and make it like brand new. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I said, now, brother, move your arm. He went to move it and he said, it still hurts just as bad as it always did. I said, okay. God, he does miracles. He does healings. I said, miracles happen very rapidly. But healings take a little longer. But God clearly said in his word in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, that all of his promises are yes and amen. Since he is a faith God, he must make all of his promises yes. If he ever said no to any of his promises, 
it would be impossible for any of us to believe by faith that he would do what he said he would do. I said, if God were to have said, I'm going to save every human being of the billions of people that are going to be born on the earth, I'm going to save every one of them but one. There's not a single one of you in here today that could have faith to know you were not that one. I could never have believed God by faith to know that I was saved. If he had put in his word, I'm going to save every human being that's born on earth but one. I said, and thank goodness he didn't say that. He said, I come to save the whole world. Since he said that, I now know that by faith, from what's written in the word of God, I know I'm born again because I believe in the only begotten son of God. He paid the price for my sins. I said, now then... We can stand by faith on his word since he come to heal us all. And he said, I made you the promise that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, I will do it for you. I said, that means if we're walking obedient and we got our sins confessed and we're not living in sin. So we prayed and we asked the Lord, we thanked him. The arm didn't work. It still hurt just as bad as it always did. I said, but it's done now. Because it's written in the word. I said, you just begin to go and praise the king and worship him and thank him. And I said, I guarantee your arm is healed. Now, see, God told me and you that if he makes you a promise, you got to believe that promise with no doubt in your heart. Because he's a faith God and he's training you and me to walk in faith. If we don't believe our king, he will not do what he said. In fact, he made a statement when I got understanding from James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He says, when you ask, you must ask in faith, nothing wavering. Nothing. Because if you waver, you're double-minded. And that person need not think, I, the Lord, will do anything for you. So I really got a tremendous understanding from the Word of God right there that if I don't believe what's written in this magnificent book that we call the Bible, which has become an owner's manual to me, this magnificent thing that I hold in my hand that has all the answers to life in it, if I don't do it exactly according to it is written, he will not do it for me. He said he wouldn't. So I told this man, I said, you go home and begin to praise and worship the Lord. You thank him that your arm is healed. You thank him every day. You praise him. You wake up in the morning and say, Lord, thank you for Matthew 18, 19. Thank you, Lord, that you promised to do anything two of us agreed on. And Thurman and I agreed my arm is healed. So thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. I said, praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noon. Praise him in the evening. I said, just praise him and thank him for your healing. And he said, how long is it going to take? I said, that's the, that's, I don't understand that. I said, that's totally up to God. I said, it may take a minute. It may take a day. It may take a week. It may take a month. I said, I don't know. But as long as you don't cast away your confidence in the word. He says in Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, he clearly says, do do not cast away your confidence, but you have need of patience. And I've come to realize that's something we don't do very well. Patience. That after you've done the will of God, you will receive your promise. So I said, just be patient. Praise him and thank you. Two or three weeks later, this guy comes screaming into my office one morning. Both hands up in the air like this. 
Thurman, look, look. I said, praise God. When did it happen, brother? He said, I don't even know. He said, all I know this morning, I was up in my place of business. I was changing a hydraulic pump on a truck. And I was laying under a truck with a big old heavy 50-pound hydraulic pump over my head. And I got both arms up there holding this thing up. And there's no pain in my arm. He said, I thought, I can't do this. He said, I came out from under that truck and come up there and started throwing both hands up. He said, there's absolutely not, absolutely not a problem. He said, my arms, there's no pain in either one of them. So we just praised and worshiped the Lord. I said, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's forever settled in heaven. Thank you, Lord, that you've exalted your word above all your names. Lord, I'm so grateful for the word and for the understandings and the revealings that you've given to me from the word about how it works. I thank you, Father, for saving this man and for healing his arm. This man is a happy camper. He goes, and about six, eight months later, whatever, he calls me one day. Actually, he didn't call me. A friend of his called me and said, Thurman, do you know so-and-so is up at Grapevine in the hospital down in his back? I said, no, I didn't know. He said, yeah, he's up there. And said uh, he was talking about he'd like to see you. I said, okay. So I went by there that afternoon after work, and I walked in, and there he is. His wife is there. His mother is there. He's stretched out in traction. They've got weights on him. They're pulling him apart. I said, brother, what happened to you? He said, oh, Thurman, he said, I've had back trouble for 30 years. He said, this morning I woke up, I couldn't move. He had had an attack from the enemy. I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, the doctors examined me. And they say, I'll have to be stretched out here like this for about three or four or five days till they get things to come back in order, which I don't understand all of this by no means. So if you're a doctor, you know, you, you, you'll understand, but I don't. So I just give you the words the best I can because I'm not a medical person. And he said, then they say they're going to have to do surgery on my back. And then he says, I'm going to be out of work for about three or four months minimum. But he said, I've had back trouble for 30 years. So he said, I expected this one day. Well, now, see, that's what's wrong with us. We expect things to happen, and when we do, we open the door to the demonic world. And they come in to oblige you. I told him, I said, sir, like I told you with your arm, the Lord healed your arm, didn't he? He said, he sure did. He said, I have had no trouble with that arm since that day. I said, he wants to heal your back, too. I said, I'm going to open my Bible, and I'm going to read a set of scriptures to you, and then I want you to believe them. I opened my Bible, and I turned it to Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. Now, see, the first two verses there, I had used those before when the Lord told us clearly, and this is something we don't do well as Christians. Or at least, I can't talk for you. I can only talk for me. But the first majority of my life, my desire was to win souls, but I didn't know how. I tried to tell a few people about Jesus when the Lord says, now... Go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Mark 16, verse 15, 14 and 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And to all those that will believe and be baptized, they will be saved. Those that will not believe will be condemned or damned to hell. Well, I went out trying, but it didn't work until I found out why it didn't work. And then I learned how to catch myself up into the third heaven and do my spiritual warfare, and then it started working for me, and it worked well. 
this particular man, now we've got him saved, so we've met the criteria of the first two verses. But now then, I said, sir, he also wrote for me in the next two verses, in verse 17 and 18, Jesus said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. And I said, sir, I'm a believing believer. Now, I've realized that for the first majority of my life, I was an unbelieving believer. I hope you understand where I'm coming from. Because I was a believer in Jesus, but I didn't believe this book. I believed only little parts of it. But now I'm trying my best to believe all of the book. I'm reading all of it. Because Jesus himself made me this commission. After you go into the world and preach the gospel, he said, Then and these signs shall follow those that believe. In my name you shall cast out devils. Who's going to cast out devils? According to Jesus' own words, you and I are. Not him. You and I are going to do it in his name. And the Holy Ghost and Jesus that lives in us, that power is going to deliver people from demonic spirits as we speak his word out of our mouth. The devil is going to flee from people at our commands out of our mouth according to the word of God. I said, then Jesus said, lay hands on the sick at the end of verse 18 and you will recover. He looked at that and he said, that's what that says. I said, well, can you believe that? Now, I don't have to cross train this man. He's not been in church. I hope you understand where I'm coming from. He said, Thurman, Matthew 18, 19 sure did work good for my arm. He said, if God said it, I believe it. I said, son, that's all you need. That's all I need to hear you say. If God said it, I believe it. I laid my hands on him. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the enemy that's attacked this man in his back. And I command the enemy to leave and to never return in the name of Jesus. I said, now, Lord, I've got both hands laying on his body. I said, heal him. Be healed in the name of Jesus. I said, thank you, Lord. It's done. I said, it's 9 o'clock at night. I started to say his name. I said, it's 9 o'clock at night. I said, go ahead and get a good night's rest. In the morning, get up, take them things off of you, get up and go home. You're okay. That's where the test of faith comes in, isn't it? That's when Paul told us in 1 Timothy 6, 12, he said, Paul, Paul said, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. What does that mean? It means fighting the fight to believe that what that word says is true. The fight of faith. If that book says something, it's going to be a fight. And that's the only fight God told us to fight as Christians. Fight the fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, like he said in 1 Timothy 6, 12, believing what's written in this word. It's the most difficult thing we as Christians will ever do is to believe that book. All of it. I know. I've been there and done it. I know how difficult it was, and still is. But the next morning, the man woke up. He told his wife, said, disconnect them things off my bed. She said, what do you mean? He said, I'm going home. She said, honey, the doctor said. He said, she, he said I don't care what that doctor said. I'm going to believe what Jesus said. So she disconnected the weights, took them off. He gets up, absolutely no pain in his body, puts his clothes on. The doctor comes in. He says, what are you doing? He said, well, sir, I'm going home. Jesus healed me. How many of you know that even good Christian doctors don't believe that? And some of you may be here today. No offense to you. But I'm telling you, the word works if you believe it. The doctor said, you're not going home. He said, you just got to feeling better because you've been stretched out there overnight. 
You, you cannot go. We x-rayed you and checked you yesterday, and you've got all these deteriorated discs in your back, and you're going to fall flat on your face again here in a few minutes. He said, no, sir, I'm healed. Jesus has healed me. He said it in the Word. The Word said it's done. The Word says for a man to lay hands on the sick and they'll get well. He said, I'm healed because Jesus said so. This man's on solid ground. The doctor said, well, you're not going home till we do some more x-rays. They checked that man all day long in Baylor Medical Center in Grapevine, Texas. And they could not find a single thing wrong with him. That afternoon, they finally released him about 4 o'clock, and he drove down to my office and walked in praising God. And to this day, which has been at least 10 years ago, Our Jesus is a mighty God. He is a faith God. He expects me and you to believe his word because he wrote it for us and he told us exactly what to do. Now that man is still alive and well today. His life is transformed. That man has come from a drunk and a divorcee and all the problems he's had completely delivered of alcohol, saved, born again, a child of the king, and all of his medical problems because he thought, by the time I'm 55 years old, I'll be out in the pasture at rest because I won't be able to work with the complications I've had. And today, many years later, that guy is up there close probably to nearly 60. Uh, Maybe he is, maybe 60 now. He's still working. He just built him a home down here in East Texas on a lake. And done it all himself. And the last time I saw him, which was about two years ago, he was praising God. I mean, he was talking about how wonderful it is to know Jesus. Now, this is a man that a few years ago the devil had pulled in and had him at his will. Until I learned how to get people saved. And the reason I'm telling you this first this morning is because I had many people come to me yesterday. Many of them wanted to be physically healed, but many of them had children or parents, or mothers, or fathers, or their spouse, that my husband or my wife or whatever don't believe in God, what do I need to do? And I thought, Lord, the healing that I need to talk about to start out this morning is to teach people how to break the power of the devil in the lives of their loved ones. This is the most important thing there is, is to get people in, brought into the kingdom of God. A wonderful little lady that's been coming to some of my healing schools. She lives about three, four hours south of the Dallas area. She called me this last year. She said, Thurman, she called me crying. She said, Thurman, I mean, this woman's 55 years old. She was just boo-hooing. She said, Thurman, I just went over to my mother and dad's house. Said, my dad is 87 years old. And he's not in the best of health. And I went in to share Jesus with him and said, my own daddy cussed me out and threw me out of the house and told me to never come back into his house. She said, what do I do? I said, honey, he has been snared by the devil. His eyes are blinded. I said, we have power over the devil in the name of Jesus. I said, the first thing I want you to do is stop crying. I want you to, the Lord didn't tell us to come into his throne of grace crying. He told us to come in boldly. I said, so dry up your tears. And I said, the Lord's in control. 
He's given us all the power and all the authority we need. So I said, I want you to stop crying. I want you to begin to worship and praise the Lord. I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to catch you and me up into the Spirit, into the third heaven. I want you to envision yourself before the throne of our God, where he told us to come. Anytime we want to. What a privilege for us as children to have the privilege to come into the throne of grace in heaven because of the blood of Jesus. Anytime we want to walk in there. Used to, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, and then only one time a year with blood. But at the coming of our king, he tore that veil in two from the top to bottom, opened it up to show us that we had access to the Holy of Holies anytime we want to go there. And I was a Christian for many, many, many years before I realized I could do that. And I thought how the enemy had deceived me. I had no knowledge that I could go into the throne of grace and bring my petitions right at the feet of the Father in the name of Jesus. And from right there, I could get awesome things done. So we caught ourselves up into the third heaven. I began to worship and praise the King. When you go into His presence in the third heaven, the first few minutes, you have to just worship and praise the Lord. You can just literally see in the spirit world the magnificence of who He is. You can literally, in your spirit, you can... Envision the mighty things that's in heaven that's waiting for those of us that when we get home. I can just, I can close my eyes now and see those beautiful, magnificent things that I've seen in the spirit world. It's so awesome to think about what God has prepared for us. See, a lot of people quote 1 Corinthians 2 9. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. And if you stop right there, I can tell you exactly where you live. You live in the flesh. Because if you don't know what the next verse says, you're not living in the Spirit. The next verse says, but He has revealed them to us by the Spirit. So I know of these things because I've had the privilege to live in the Spirit world with Him. And so from the third heaven, as we worshipped and praised our King for all these mighty promises, that's ours. I begin to call him in remembrance of all those things that he said over in 1 John and so forth. For we, this is a confidence that we have in you that if we ask anything according to your will, we know that you hear us. And because our hearts do not condemn us, because we're walking clean and pure and holy before you, Father, we know that you hear us and we know that we have the petition we request. Now, Father, I come to you and I'm going to ask you to move by the Holy Ghost upon this man. But I said, I know this man's lost, and I know he's lost, and he's been snared by the devil. So first of all, I realize, Lord, I have complete power and authority in your name over the enemy. So I begin to speak directly to Satan and his wicked spirits in the heavenlies, and then to his demonic spirits on earth. And I begin to command him to take his hands off of this man, and I call the man's full name. I said, Satan, you've had him, and you've drew him in at your will. But I have power over you in the name of Jesus, because Christ in me, the hope of glory... I said, I'm there, and you know I'm there, Satan. So I said, in the mighty name of Jesus, I rebuke you, and I command you in Jesus' name to take your hands off of him and stop blinding his mind to the gospel. I said, now, Father, I ask you to send that precious Holy Spirit to begin to convict so-and-so of sin. Begin to draw him into the kingdom, just like you said you would if I asked. I said, then, Lord, send the right labor, whoever it is, over to Talk to him about you, about Jesus, and bring him into the kingdom and save his spirit, soul, and body. And bring him into the kingdom and snatch him out of the kingdom of hell. 
And I said, Lord, thank you. It's done. I told that young woman, I said, now then, ma'am, it's done. All you've got to do now is begin to worship and praise the king. And I said, I guarantee your daddy is saved. See, you've got to believe this book. You can't turn and say, well, I hope God's going to do something. If you did, you just slapped the king in the face. You didn't believe his word. And I've come to understand he don't like it when you slap him in the face. He likes it when you believe what he said. And that's where you have to get, where you believe what God said with no doubt in your heart. I told her, I said, call me with your praise report as soon as he comes into the kingdom. About three weeks later, my phone rang and there was a hysterical woman on the telephone. She was praising God. Lord, she said, Thurman, the most awesome thing happened today. I said, what happened? She said, my daddy got saved. She said he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Said he's telling everybody about Jesus. She said it's almost unbelievable. I said, don't you say it's unbelievable. I said, that's doubt. She said, I knew you was going to say that. But she said, it's so awesome to think after 87 years, my daddy has been a wicked, lost man. Drinks, cusses, all the wicked things he does. And every time I'd even talk about Jesus, he had cussed me out and throw me out of the house. And to think today... He's worshiping and praising God. He said he called one of the veterinarians that he used to use on our farm. They got a big farm down in South Texas. He said he called him and told him, he said, I got saved. I've met Jesus today. And the, guy, the doctor, that veterinarian said, you know, you either crazy. He said, I've got to come over there. She said, Thurman, that veterinarian's doc office is 12 miles from us. She said, it seemed like five minutes he was in our house. He said, he come running in there. He said, I got to talk to you. He said, What's wrong with you? He said, I got saved. I'm born again. I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. What a transformation when you snatch one out of the kingdom of hell and you bring them into the kingdom of light. Everything in them begins to change. If there's nothing you remember about this seminar that I've taught you, remember what I've taught you today. This is the most important thing that you'll ever do as a Christian is to learn that the souls of man on the earth is in the hands of the church. If you and I don't learn how to pray and learn how to catch ourselves up in the third heaven and learn how to kick the devil out of people's lives that has captured them and drawn them at his will and kept him captive. If we don't learn how to take authority over the enemy that our king came to this earth 2,000 years ago and completely defeated him and destroyed him, if you don't get a hold of that, the devil is going to laugh at you, and he's going to snare your children, he's going to snare your mate, and he's going to pull them into the kingdom of hell, and he's going to destroy them on this earth, he's going to keep them sick and afflicted and tormented here, and it's going to all be because of mine and your lack of knowledge. I had no idea when God called me in that audible voice that he spoke to me 27 years ago the first time. And why that he has so trained me and spoke to me so many times, a simple man, to do a simple chore. I thought about yesterday after this was over, we went to lunch, and I was sitting there talking to a gentleman that spoke to you right after I did, Dr. Carl. And he lives in a whole nother world of Hebrew and Greek than me. I didn't understand nothing he said. I thought, how awesome this is, God. 
when you said you give each one of us different gifts. You gave me a little simple gift, and you gave him a magnificent gift. And he's doing great and mighty things for the kingdom. He understands things that I probably will never understand. But that's not where God gave me my gift. Well, he said, I, just like Brother Bill said this morning, God gives each one of us gifts as the Spirit wills. Instead of fighting against each other, we need to start working together, realizing that God gave me a gift, He gave you a gift, He gave Dr. Carl a gift, He gave Brother Bill a gift, and praise God if we'll work together instead of against each other, the body of Christ can do great and mighty things for the kingdom of God. I love Jesus with all my heart. And some of you may not agree with what I teach, but I try to back up everything I say with the Word of God. I love you regardless. Whether you agree with what I say or not, I realize that God's put me in a unique place of healing. But I know why He done it. Because He's God. And last time I checked, he's the CEO of the church. And a man told me the other day, he said, Thurman, and next time you check, he'll still be the CEO of the church. I said, yes, I know that. And that's just like I told Bill the day he called and asked me to speak in these seminars. I told him, I said, Bill, I'm going to send you some of my audio and video tapes because I want you to hear what I teach. Because I don't want to walk out there and speak. And your people be offended at me, or you be hurt by what I say. I said, after he listened to my tapes, he said, Thurman, some of the things you teach is a little unique to the Baptist doctrine. I said, I know that. That's why I sent my tapes. But he said, what are we going to do? I said, Bill, I don't know. I don't really care. I said, I didn't call you and ask you to speak. You called me. So I said, now then, I said, if God, which is our boss, I said, you work for him and I work for him. We both work for the king of the universe. I said, if he wants me to speak in your seminars, he's going to provide a way. So I didn't even think about it no more. And in a few days or a couple of weeks, whatever it was, he called me again and said, Thurman, we have a problem. I said, what's that, sir? He said, Andy. The young man that works with me said he's one of my right-hand men, said he's a fine young man, said Andy's already had back surgery once, and now then he just walked in my office and says he's going to have to either lay down for a month, no work, or he's going to have to work lightly and take steroids and something else. It was three options the doctor gave him. And I said, I told him, well, why don't we call Thurman? And so they called, and I talked to them, and I said, Andy, first of all, I give you a fourth option, and it's Jesus. I said, now then, if you'll believe Jesus, he'll heal your back. I said, now, son, I need to find out if you're a born-again Christian. I said, I've got to hear that. He said, oh, yes, sir, I love Jesus with all my heart. I said, okay. I said, now, are you sinning? And he said, well, no, sir. I said, I found out that a lot of young men don't know what sin is. I said, you wouldn't happen to be living with a girl out of wedlock, would you? He said, of course not. I'm not doing anything like that. But see, I don't know. I never met him before. And you'd be amazed at the young men and women that I ask that question to that are in the church that are doing that. And so we don't know what sin is in the church anymore as a rule. 
we don't teach what sin is enough. And so after I went through everything with him, I found out I could find nothing wrong with him but one thing. And that was he had not believed the promises of God. I said, so since you didn't believe the promises of God, Andy, you must repent for your sin of unbelief of God's promises. He said, well, sir, I do believe them. I said, well, either you don't believe them or you don't know them, and either one of them is a sin. I said, now then, turn to this magnificent promise, Andy, in Matthew 18, 19. And he turned and read that. I said, now, see, that promise right there will get your back healed. Well, he looked at that and he said, sir, you're, you're absolutely right. And I said, so you didn't believe that, did you? He said, well, I guess I didn't. I said, okay. I said, now then, can you believe that? He said, well, yes, I can. I said, I want you to repent. So he repented of his unbelief. And I said, now then, I pray the prayer of faith for you. And I did. And I asked the Father in the name of Jesus to heal Andy's back on behalf of Matthew 18, 19. And I thanked him for it. And then I happened to look at my watch. And I said, oh, goodness, Andy. I said, I've been on the phone with you and Bill 45 minutes. And I've got to be in a Bible study in 30 minutes. And I said, I'm going to have to run. I said, you guys call me tomorrow with your praise report. And Andy was completely instantly healed standing right there in Bill's office right then. The next morning, Bill and Andy called me. They were really pretty early, and they were called, and they were both praising the Lord. And I told Bill, I said, Bill, isn't that amazing? Jesus is in your office in Chicago just like he is in mine in Dallas. Jesus can be everywhere. Isn't he awesome? So as we went on, several people over the next few weeks were miraculously healed when I prayed for them. And that's why I'm here today to teach you because God called me here to teach you. He confirmed it by healing several people in front of Bill so that he would know that I'm not some crazy guy. I'm just a man that loves God and uses the word of God to people saved and healed. And I appreciate the privilege one more time to speak to you today.